This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome in. It's the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Matt Marchese here with you. Uh, Jeff, well, the weather in Victoria is not very cooperative. He should have taken that helicopter that Elliot took. I'm sure that would have worked to get him to Vancouver for his connecting flight. Uh, Jeff will be back on Monday. He's probably catching some Z's right now on the plane coming back. And the drama continues to not happen. There's nothing like drama all season. And then Jeff has three days where he's not on the show and all the drama stops because I'm hosting. At least we have something to talk about. I mean, God knows those Oilers are pretty darn good. Um, And how do you not start the show there? The hottest team in the NHL right now, 12 wins in a row. They're chasing history here. The NHL record, as we know, for a winning streak in a season is the Pittsburgh Penguins with 17. The Oilers are trying to make that happen. And we talked about earlier in the week how, you know, the fact that the Oilers of the 80s did not have a winning streak like this just tells you how well this current edition of the Oilers are playing. Um, So over this 12-game rip that they're on here, allowed three goals twice, and that was at the beginning of the streak. So 10 straight of two goals or less. Stuart Skinner is 8-0 in that stretch with a 948 save percentage. He's allowed one goal or less in half of those wins. He's playing excellent right now. Um, Everyone is kind of bought into what Chris Knobloch has been selling here. Connor McDavid's healthy, and we didn't even mention Leon Dreisaitl, and the guy had four points last night. Three of them in like a six- or seven-minute stretch. The Oilers are just, and this is why when we talked about them earlier in the season after that wretched start, I just kept saying this team is way too good to not get into the playoffs. Now, did I envision a 12-game winning streak? I did not. And if anybody did, they're lying. But there was still something else there. Here's the difference, though. The way that they're defending, the way that they are the, the goaltending that they are getting at this point, that's what's scary to the rest of the league, or at least it should be. Um, the other game last night involving uh, two Canadian teams was the Leafs and the Calgary Flames. And how many people were hate-watching that one last night? I mean, they're hate-watching, disappointed that Calgary gets out to a 2 nothing lead. And out to... Uh, out to a two-goal lead there. The Leafs, you know, oh, they can't blow a two-goal lead here. Then the Leafs go up 4-2, and everybody's getting giddy. And they're like, oh, boy, um, what's going to happen here? Uh, they managed to get the win, and all the people that were hate-watching are very disappointed. Uh, Elliot, and speaking of disappointed, Elliot Friedman's here, and he doesn't get to talk to Jeff, so he's very disappointed. Uh, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada on 32 Thoughts. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you doing? Well, I mean... I was expecting not to be hosting today, but it's good. It's fine. We're all good. There was lots to talk about. Um, I, heard, I heard you had a fog machine running in Victoria, so Jeff couldn't get out last night. Can I tell you something? The way that this week has gone uh, with with the little one not wanting to sleep very much, um, I was not putting any fog machine out. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll get a couple of extra Zs. All right, that did not happen. Um, I did have to ask you this, though. You've been spending a lot of time with Kevin BX over the past few days. Are you okay, and do we need to send help? No, like we're like an old married couple, right? So uh, everything's good. It's just as funny because we've been joking. We've been hearing the same stories over and over and over again for the last 24 hours. So we did um, we did the charity event in Vancouver on Wednesday, which was spectacular for the Canucks uh, Autism Network. 
Um, then yesterday we did a, uh, a, 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 a naval base tour um, at Esquimalt, and also we toured the HMCS Ottawa, which was really a, a special moment. Um, and then we did a uh, you know a Q and A with uh, 200 troops. Uh, and then last night we had the banquet. Uh, well, we did the podcast yesterday with Berkey and him and James Patrick. And then at the banquet last night, we did a 10 minutes with him and Berkey. So you could say that BX and I are a little tired of each other. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing I just wanted to mention, yeah. Matt, like there's the Canucks have called a news conference for two hours from now. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say with 100%, but I do know they've been discussing a three-year extension with Jim Rutherford. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was going to work on this for tomorrow night's show. Um, I don't know 100% that it's done, but I do believe it was trending in that direction and it was going to get done. So I would say that I would think that this is probably it, but I wouldn't say that 100%, but I did hear they were in the later stages of a three-year extension with Rutherford. So uh, whether, that, whether or not that's today, um, it's definitely headed in that direction. Um, firstly, so Jim Rutherford's 74 years old. He'll turn 75 uh, next month. Um, also the pride of Beaton, Ontario, where I live. So shout out, uh, Beaton, Ontario. Now, mm-hmm. are you surprised at the extent, not not that Jim Rutherford is sticking around, but there there was, you know, some people had maybe talked about, well, you know, Jim lost a little bit off the fastball and, you know, maybe this is part of the decline. If it is the three-year extension, like you, you're saying it, it could be, are you surprised, A, at the term, and B, that maybe they wouldn't take this kind of year by year with him? Um, you know what, like, uh, like I've never, um, I've never doubted him. Like I just, like I've dealt with him enough. Like, like when I started my career, he was already a manager, right? Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of experience dealing with him over the years. And like every manager, he has his ups and his downs. He has his wins and his losses, but I've never doubt. Like he's a very competitive guy. Um, he is, uh, he is a, um, he's very smart. Um, you know, the, that's the thing. Like the, the one thing I always remembered about him is that he, he was, he was an NHL goalie. He was always a competitive guy. He didn't lose that competitive nature going into the business. And I, I just like there, he's had, he's had ample opportunities to walk away. Like it would have been very easy for him several times like when he won after he won in Carolina after he won twice in Pittsburgh and he still keeps coming back so I don't think he's ever lost anything off his fastball I don't believe that I think like every general manager he has his swings and misses um, but I think he very much likes doing it he loves being in the thick of things like he's got Alvin there now and who does a lot of the key lifting um, I think we all have to make concessions at times, um, but um, you know, I, I think that I'm not surprised at all that he wants to stay in the middle of this. How much do you think he learned from last year as part of? I, I mean, gotta, you're, you're I always gotta, learning. I got to tell right? you, this guy, this guy has got to be punking me, like Brian Spear, who called <laughs> Again. last. He's calling, <laughs> like he's got to be doing it on purpose. Like there's only that's the only explanation I've got here. He's now doing it on purpose, Brian. Stop it. 
Um, what, what do you think Jim Rutherford learned from last year? Because, I mean, it was, you know, he was commenting a lot on a lot of things. And, you know, it felt like he was saying something, not putting his foot in his mouth, but something that gets the media and maybe the team riled up, you know, week in and week out, it felt like. And finally he said, you know what, I'm just going to stop and I'm not going to say anything. And we haven't heard a lot from Jim Rutherford this year, partially because, well, the team is playing well and there's nothing to say. Um, how much do you think that he learned from last year's experience, though, and just, you know, being able to do the job without saying much? Like, in terms of, like, Rutherford, well, you know, the thing about Rutherford is, and this is why I've, I've really enjoyed dealing, like, there's been times he's been uh, annoyed at me. There's been times he's been uh, good with me. Like, it's like anything else, right? But he's one of those people that, if you ask him a question, you're going to get an answer. And maybe you like that answer. Maybe you don't like that answer. Remember last year, that press conference, he had a really angry press conference or really, I shouldn't say angry, a really blunt press conference, like seriously blunt press conference. And people were like, okay, that's too much. That's too much. And, you know, he stopped talking for a while. And, you know, like the way I look at it is this, um, uh, I will always take honesty over phoniness or, you know, people who actively try. Like, sometimes people in this business have to lie to you. It's just the way it is. Yeah. But I'll always take the blunt honesty over it. And, like, the thing is, when, when he was in Carolina and he was in Pittsburgh, and he, you know, he was the same. Like, he was no different in those two places like he was in, like he is in Vancouver. The thing is, now it's magnified. And that's what a number of guys uh, learn is that it's different in Canada than it is anywhere else. And I think it's particularly different in places like the even bigger markets like like Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal. Like I think Brad Tree Living would even tell you um, going from Calgary to Toronto is still a bit of a difference. Like it's not saying it's not intense in Calgary. It certainly is. But like the like. Places like Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal, they're one step higher. And I think that that press conference last year, because of where it was and the situation they were in, it, it was magnified. And yes, I do think he adapted a little bit. Um, you mentioned on the pod, and I just wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper in this, speaking of the Canucks, um, are, they, are they searching around the center market? I mean, because they have Pedersen and Miller on the same line now, and that yeah. changes the dynamic of maybe what they're looking for. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you you mentioned the idea of them talking to Calgary about Lindholm. How heavy do you think they are in the center market right now? Or could they, you know, maybe it's a guy that's a little bit more versatile that they can bring in that maybe could play the wing if things change. Um, how do you think that they view that market right now? Well, I think that that's, like, first of all, I, if I'm the Canucks, I'm going for all. Um, you know, Berkey and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, when they won the Stanley Cup in Anaheim in 2007, uh, the only guy he went out and got at the deadline was Brad May, and who Berkey absolutely loved. Oh, yeah. Um, and But, you know, if you remember the team that they had there, they didn't need a lot. Now, I think Vancouver, like, if I was running them, I, I'd be going for it. Um, you know, there's only you never know when you're going to get have a good team or when you have a shot. I think you have to look at Vancouver this year and say they've got a shot. Now, the one place I really agree with you, well, there's two places I really agree with you. Number one, you need versatile players who can play multiple positions. Number two, now that they've got the six four nine line going hot, 
Um, you know, I, I think that you're wondering, okay, are they looking for a winger? Or are they looking for a center primarily? And the reason I mentioned Lindholm, number one, Vancouver and Calgary have done a deal this year. Um, yep. And, you know, I, I, I do think that teams have gained comfort levels doing deals with each other. So that's number one. And number two, I just think Lindholm, although he hasn't had a great year, I think he's a good player who um, a lot of teams are looking at, like Colorado, like potentially Boston. It just, like, it, it just makes sense to me. And also, like, the way Vancouver and Rutherford Alvin do business, they make deals. And I just I find it very hard to believe that they wouldn't call Calgary and say, okay, what are you thinking here? And it just, it, it just makes it, it's circumstantial evidence, but I think it's good circumstantial evidence. Elliot Freeman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, the other news of the day, Shane Pinto signs, um, yeah. I believe you said a league minimum deal with the yeah. Sens. His suspension is it's up or almost up. I can't remember the amount of games played because I was, you know, his, his, his return date is January 21st against Philadelphia. Okay. I was hosting a football so that, show. That's why I missed it. So I apologize I, for that. Well, that, you know what? That's a lame excuse. You got to be able to multitask. Hey, I, yeah. you know, I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Marchese, there's some hungry intern at the fan right now saying, Hey, I can pay attention to hockey while I'm hosting a football show. You yeah. can't do that, man. Yeah. Someone's going to take your job. Well, well, when they do, I'll be coming calling for you, looking to clean your house for a fee. <laughs> um, so I'll uh, make you do it for free. Yeah, that's what my wife does, actually. Um, <laughs> so it's the same thing. Um, oh no, 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 you're paying for that. Don't you, <laughs> don't you kid yourself? I know. I get to watch my daughter as penance. Uh, so uh, th- if there was ever a guy that needed to really play well here, coming back from a suspension, and this is a long one, as we know, the gambling suspension was half the season. Um, it's probably him. Like there's a, it feels like there's a big spotlight on Shane Pinto, whether deservingly or not. Um, I mean, the, the suspension is what it is. The precedent has been set, but I'm really curious to see how, you know, Shane Pinto approaches this situation and his agent, because it almost feels like with a 41 game runway, he might be better off just to sign a one year deal after this is done. If he plays decently enough because it, that's a long time to miss hockey and, and then try and get back into it full swing when you're trying to play for a contract. Well, I, I think this. I, I think that the, the, the Senators and Shane Pinto have been talking about other deals. Um, I always believe the one-year deal at the league minimum or his qualifying offer, whatever that was supposed to be, was going to happen this year simply because, um, you know, Ottawa, the, the issue they've always had with Pinto trying to sign him even before the gambling stuff really became known, um, was that um, was that they didn't have cap room, and that was always a problem, and that really hasn't changed. So I'm not surprised they went down this road. The one thing I have heard that has not been confirmed by either side is that the t- they, they have been working on a long-term deal, and I believe that Ottawa and and and. Uh, Pinto have been discussing years, uh, have been discussing long-term deals. And because it's after January 1st, any player who signs a one-year contract can now sign an extension. So Pinto, in theory, could sign an extension at any time. And I do believe that is the goal. It's like, to me, the biggest challenge was, and you know, I'm doing this off the top of my head after a banquet, so excuse me if my uh, <laughs> numbers are a little bit off, but I believe Pinto's got four more years of restricted free agency. So if you're going longer than that, you're going into UFA terms, 
and then you have to adjust the numbers. So I, I think that's the question. Like, are we looking at a short-term deal, a bridge, or are we looking at something that takes him? Because five years would take him into his UFA. So I think, I, but, I, but I do think there's a will there to get this done. Like, I've heard the two sides have been legitimately working hard at this. So, um, you know, the thing about Pinto, you're right, he owes them in some ways. And if you heard his press conference last week when you first met with the media, that's one thing he said. He basically said, like, I know I made a big mistake here, and uh, I have to make up for this, and I expect him to come back and play hard. I'll tell you something else I heard, uh, Maddie, was there was a time, oh, I want to say it was around Christmas, where I heard that maybe – Ottawa was thinking of moving on from Pinto. I don't. I looked into that, and I heard multiple places that that was a no. That they still consider Pinto a very big part of their team, and centers are hard to find. Like they're really hard to find, and um, I, I think they're really hoping that he plays hard and he comes back and and gives them a jolt. And uh, I still do think, as we stand here today, that they consider him a big part of their future. Uh, speaking of the Senators, I, I mean, liked your line, by the way, about hate watching the Maple Leafs last night. That was that was very good. Okay, so let's go there. There are lots of people hate watching that game last night, hundred percent. Because there's one, there are certain teams in the league that you want the you want the house to burn. That's what you want, and you're like, and the Leafs are definitely at the top of that list because we talk about them all the time. Because guess what? People like when we talk about them. Get it through your head. They're a ratings draw. Anyway, point being, last night, like, the Flames go up 2 nothing, And I could just, I could feel in my brain, I'm like, there are people out there going, man, the Leafs didn't get out to a 2 nothing lead, so they can blow it. Then they score four in a row, and people are like, oh, boy, this is going to happen again. Then the disallowed goal, and you're looking at it going, oh, boy. But if there was ever a big win, you could see it on Sheldon Keefe's face after they won that game, like, okay, we got that one out of the way. Now we can get our attention back to, you know, focusing on winning some other games and, and you know, kind of tightening things up. But if that thing went south last night with another two-goal lead, Elliot, I don't know, but that probably would have been a, a, as big of a story as the Oilers winning 12 games in a row. By the way, I got to tell you, I got another phone call from someone at the office. I just don't think people at Sportsnet know I'm on the radio every Who, day. Can we can we put this person on blast too now? <laughs> no, was no, it Jeff no, Merrick, no, no. by the way? No, it wasn't. He's no, Merrick. You know, no, no, no. He's Merrick's in some sort of rage in some airport somewhere right now. <laughs> um, no, I'm, uh, like I agree with you. Like, and look, like that was a huge call last night. Like there. Their video coaches this year, uh, Jordan Bean and Sam Kim, they, they've won a couple games for Toronto this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, you know, that was a that was a big, big get because everybody was thinking it, Matt. Like, it's it's 4-3 going on the third period. They give up that goal in the second, and everyone's sitting there and saying, uh-oh, like, like they're going to blow another one. And that's just a huge momentum shifter. You think that they've scored to tie it, and – all of a sudden, it's taking off. It's taken off the board, and, and you could feel. I'll, I'll tell you this: I, I, uh, there were some Calgary Flames alumni at the banquet last night in, in Victoria who strongly disagreed with the call. I have to say, but it was the it was the right it, it was the right call. Um, you know, um, I, I was I was reminded that there was. If you want to look it up, when the Coyotes played in Toronto, I think it was last season. The Maple Leafs had a time goal taken off the board in a very similar play. Um, and, you know, that rule's there. Um, you know, someone said to me last night they thought it was kind of chintzy. And, you know, I, I just said that, um, 
I said, you know what? Like, that's the rule. Like, there's a because re- remember, everybody freaked out when Eric Carlson scored that goal in the 2019 Western Conference Final for San Jose against St. Louis. And they put that rule in there for a reason. And uh, that was the right call. And it was a good catch. But you're right. Like, everybody was watching that game last night. Like, oh boy, is Toronto going to collapse here? I, I would have to say this, too. I know there's been a lot of talk about Keith the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. I, and the more I think about it, the more I'd be shocked if anything happened to him in season. I just, I think this is bigger than him. I mean, there's always tactical things you can do that are better, but I think this is bigger than him, and I think that's the way they see it, too. Uh, in that game, Austin Matthews strikes again a hat trick. That's four. Yep. Um, the, the, last, the last person to have five hat tricks in a season was Jonathan Chichu, uh, and that was back in the 05-06 season. We're, we're talking about potentially 50 and 50 here, 70 yep. goals. Uh, the last, the last player to score 50 and 50 was Mario Lemieux in 95, 96. I mean, yep. it's more, it's more of just a comment on the greatness that we're seeing from someone who may very well end up being the greatest goal scorer in the salary cap era. And that's, that includes Alex Ovechkin, the way that Austin Matthews is going right now. Well, I think, first of all, I think, I think you, I think potentially like if you if you adjust it for eras, um, you know people will make an argument that statistically Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer ever. I don't disagree. Um, and and I do think there's a chance the way this is going, you know, like Dave Amber is is the first guy who really kind of put the Ovechkin breaking Gretzky's record on the map. Yep, he was the first guy I know who really started talking about it. And now you know someone was saying to me this morning. Are we getting into a place where, um, are, are we getting into a place where um, we're going to start talking about Matthews breaking this record? Like I was looking last night, he's what 100 away from Matt Sundin for top in in Maple Leafs history. And Matt Sundin played a lot longer in Toronto than Austin. Matthews. Like, like he, he, he could do that in a year and a half, two years max. So. Um, you know, the thing is, like, I, I was talking about this with, with someone this morning, and, you know, people sometimes get upset that Matthews doesn't sign for term. <laughs> well, if he plays all three of these contracts through, and there's no reason to think he won't at this time, obviously, he's going to be in Toronto for 12 years. You know, that's, um, I mean, obviously, I think everybody would want there to be more team success for the Maple Leafs except for people who hate the Maple Leafs, but all their fans. The hate watchers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, you can't, uh, you can't deny that he's, he's given them, on a personal level, he's given them everything he can. And, uh, you know, last night, like as you said, that was a huge game for Toronto, not only because of all the noise, but all of a sudden they're in, they're in a playoff race, uh, Matt. And they needed a win, and they were down 2 nothing, And uh, he came out and he put them on his back. And... When you're the highest-paid player and you're the best player, that's what people expect of you. And, and last night, he absolutely delivered it. Um, wanted to talk to you about the goalie market. And it feels like this year, and, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like this year more than other years, there there's a, a plethora of names that are out there. Like, it feels like a really robust yeah. market, which ends up probably changing the price for a lot of these guys because, well, there's more of them available. 
Um, do you think that that we're going to see a lot of goalie movement only because it's a position that has been largely unpredictable this season for a lot of teams, and there's been a ton of injuries, guys that maybe you thought were going to be good, haven't been good, and a lot of teams are scrambling. Look how many teams were carrying three goalies for the longest time. Um, how would you evaluate the goalie market right now, and do you think, I mean, there's always a chance it's, it's, they're going to add names, but is it a big one right now? Um, it is. Uh, there's a lot of names out there, right? Like there's, there's Merzlikens, there's Allen, there's Markstrom, although like, is Vladar maybe more, is Vladar maybe more of a, a chance to move than Markstrom at this point? I would assume I just, I just, I, I th- well, Matt, I just think that if you're going to talk to Calgary about a goalie, your interest is much higher on Markstrom than it is on Vladar. Sure. I think that's just the way it is. Um, um, but again, like there's a high bar here and it's funny. Like I've had a few conversations with people. Sometimes the way that things move here is you kind of knock the tree and shake it and information comes out. Like, you know, like a couple teams told me that, you know, we were right about what we talked about with Markstrom. Like the flames are very serious about that. Like if you call them on Markstrom, they say, you know, don't waste our time. Like you got to be talking about something big. And, and I don't think the flames, like, I, like, the Flames look like they've hit a real Grand Slam homer here with Sharon Govich. And I think that's what they want. They want more young players. Like, I don't think they want, you know, draft picks and, and green bananas. I think they want guys who can play and uh, young guys who can play now. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, especially for some of these contenders, that's really hard to do. So, you know, Merzlikens, I just don't think there's a market for him right now. Um, if he plays better, that could change. Allen, I think there's some teams who've looked at it. You know, Flurry right now, he's not even available. And, and Minnesota isn't conceding in the race. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, Allen, you know, teams kind of know what everyone's been looking at that all year. Gibson, you know, uh, it's a tough trade to make, and he's battled some injuries. Like, I definitely think the, the goaltending market's been hot almost all season, but there's a reason we haven't seen too many trades as it is. You mentioned Flurry in there in Minnesota. So Jared Spurgeon's going to miss the rest of the season. He's going to have yeah. hip and back surgery. I can't imagine that that's super comfortable. Um, you mm-hmm. feel for the guy, but it also means that Jeff gets to push Brock Faber and the, the notion of him playing 40 minutes a night rather than 30. Um, yeah. This is another hurdle for the wild to get into the playoffs. And I mean, Bill Guerin, when he spoke the other day, probably had a very good idea that that Jared Spurgeon wasn't going to be available for the rest of the year. But do you think that this is another one of those things that maybe pushes him in that direction? Like the Western Conference, yes, it's still pretty much wide open, but it's not like Minnesota has been consistent. Uh, Gustafson gives up seven last night, and they're going to play the Panthers tonight. I mean, it just doesn't – it's not very optimistic – in Minnesota, and and do you think they could just say, you know what, we've got our cap issues, let's try and you know settle this thing down, get some assets back, and kind of reset for next season? Because it's not like it's a bad team. There's lots of good talent on it, but it's just they haven't played well. They've run into injuries. Kaprizov missed some time. Um, do you think that this may happen sooner rather than later, based on what we've seen and now this injury to Jared Spurgeon? Well, I, I think one thing they're going to do here is they're going to keep it really quiet out of uh, respect to Flurry, um, I think that's one of the things that's going to happen here. Um, that, you know, he's a guy who, um, you know, don't forget, um, 
you know, don't forget with Fleury, when he got traded from L.A. to Chicago, initially uh, he wasn't uh, that thrilled about going, and he went. I think, you know, and, and secondly, when he went from, when, when Minnesota talked about bringing him in there, initially they weren't, uh, he wasn't so sure about that, but he went. And I think that's just the thing with Fleury is he loves hockey and he can, um, he can work his way into being happy with these situations, but it has to happen on his time. It has to happen in a way that makes him comfortable. So um, I think that's what's going to happen here is I think at some point they will, they will present him some options and he'll have to think about it. But I, number one, I think he's earned the right to call his own shot. He's got that contractually and also by everything he's done. And number two, I think one of the things we've learned in the past is, you know, you just have to make sure you have to talk, not talk him into it, but he, I think like any player, especially moving during the season with family, just present to me why this makes sense. And uh, I think that they'll go through that process and we'll see where we go. The, the, to me, the Wild are going to be fascinating what they do down the stretch here because, again, they do have some really good younger players. I mean, Matt Boldy, I know he got off to a slow start, but I really like the upside there. And obviously Kaprizov and Rossi. And, and Jeff's favorite, Brock Faber, uh, his favorite for Rookie of the Year. Um, Elliot, you tagged me in this post, and I, you don't have your notifications on. There's no way you do, right? No, I don't. It's okay, crazy. because I do, because I don't have very many followers. And my phone's going nuts, so don't ever turn on notifications, because it is the worst. Um, but thank you for tagging me in that. Now I'm going to get flooded with people talking about the Vancouver Canucks. So that's good. I wanted to make you feel important for a couple of minutes, but well, I feel important every time that I talk to you, Elliot. Um, <laughs> I really do. Um, listen, uh, enjoy, enjoy the weekend. I know, I know it's a long weekend weekend for you, but enjoy it. And uh, Jeff will actually talk to you on Monday. We'll see. We'll see if he gets home by then. <laughs> he's gonna take the uh, he's gonna take the dog sled to get home. All right, thanks a lot, pal. Enjoy the weekend. All right, take care, man.